Hello there, this is Guru talking to you about Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain how. First off, it is absolutely free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more providers. You can also make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hello there, this is Guru talking to you about anchor.fm. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First off, it's completely free. Second, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will also distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast as well with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hello, everybody. And welcome to an early version of the Ballistic Podcast. So instead of doing it over the weekend, we decided to do it on Friday because obviously we have a ton of news and a ton of things to talk about. And by we, I mean myself, Guru Ramprakash from San Jose, California. And with me, as usual, from Skype in Monterey is Vikram Kant. Vikram, how are you doing this week? This week has been exciting in the NBA. And uh, we can totally say that that's, that's not going to change over the next couple of days leading up to the trade deadline. So it's a very exciting time. It's very it's, exciting. It's, I mean, you sort of forget that the Super Bowl is on Sunday, right? That's, that's pretty much how much the NBA has taken over the media landscape um, over the course of, of many years. Obviously, we have summer free agency that we, we talk about over the summer that pretty much overshadows whatever's happening in baseball. And now it's taking away from the Super Bowl. That's, I mean, that's amazing in and of itself. NBA media, they, they do a great job of marketing the game. That's, that's all I have to say. Yeah, they really, really do. I mean, it's such a, I mean, basketball is, is a phenomenon, not just in the United States, but also internationally. So the idea that there are so many different markets for which the NBA can appeal to, you know, that's an, that's an important point to, to actually make, right? Basketball is one of the fastest growing sports in the world versus football being uh, slightly more more regional in the sense that it's truly a more of an American game. And then you have the CFL and in, uh, in Canada. But that's a, a far cry from how the NBA has expanded uh, now into uh, in, into India. Right. With right. Uh, as new, a new emerging market. So, I mean, it's frankly quite amazing. Uh, absolutely. I mean, I, I agree. I agree 100 percent. And everybody knows these players and uh, uh, the players that are being traded. And an international player did get traded uh, over the course of this week. So we will get into that. Uh, but obviously, we want to get to the obvious news, the news of the week, really. Anthony Davis, the Pelicans forward slash center, has requested a trade. And this trade request has not come from like sources from Wojnarowski or Shams Sharania. It has come from Anthony Davis's agent himself, Rich Paul, who who made it extremely public. This is like the first time I've ever seen this, an agent coming out with uh, a blunt trade request. And um, Vikram, uh, obviously uh, this like sent shockwaves throughout the NBA. Not really shockwaves because we sort of knew that Anthony Davis was not going to take the Supermax offer that the Pelicans were going to make him over the summer. But just talk about uh, the ramifications of Rich Paul, the agent, coming out and making such an offer. I mean, such a a demand. Well, first things first, uh, Anthony Davis was fined because this is a violation of league rules to do it this way. So that's probably the first $50,000, which is a drop in the ocean, really. Right, right. I mean, he doesn't actually care about that. But it's important to note that there was a little bit of a... Punishment for that. This is not the way it's supposed to be carried out uh, in, in the sense of how NBA players are expected to comport themselves with regards to tampering and, and those types of things. But as far as the ramifications, I actually think, uh, you know, before we go any further, this is really bad for small market teams. 
because the idea of the Supermax was so that they would be able to compete with these bigger market teams, the Lakers, the Celtics, the Knicks, on and on and on and on. So from a uh, from a NBA organizational perspective, this isn't a great look. Now, that being said, the first thing that we have to say is the Pelicans have tragically mismanaged and wasted most of Anthony Davis's career at this point. So they don't deserve any sort of credit for that. And uh, I, I wouldn't hope, you know, there's no there's no way the league in any way, shape or form from a rules perspective could have favored them any more than than how spectacularly they screwed up uh, in terms of managing Anthony Davis's career. So from that perspective, I, I have no blame. But I do think it's a, it's an interesting thing that we should note as far as the ramifications for the league and uh, having a a star player at a small market writ large. So that's the first ramification observation I have. Uh, the other is that you know this is this is a a shifting of a center of power. Whatever team Anthony Davis goes on. Uh, assuming that there are other stars on that team, automatically becomes a favorite or at least a contender for the NBA championship over the next couple of years. So those are some of the big, you know, top-level takeaways from this. The other things we should note about the situation are that uh, the Lakers are his preferred destination. He has said that he does not want to play in Boston, which uh, may have the most attractive trade package. Uh, additionally, uh, his father put out an interesting statement saying uh, how the Celtics had mismanaged Isaiah Thomas and he would never want to see his son play there. So, I mean, there's there's a little bit of gamesmanship happening. And the last huge ramification that we should say is Rich Paul suddenly has a lot more influence on the NBA than I would have thought possible for a single agent. You think? You, you that's think he, not. I mean, he, <laughs> uh, obviously, Rich Paul, he is an agent to LeBron. I mean, more than an agent to him, he's friend, confidant, all of the above, right? And because of that connection with LeBron, he wields enormous power. And ever since that, ever since he got Anthony Davis as a client to him, that allowed such a thing to be facilitated in the first place. So, I mean, Anthony Davis has the right to choose his agent and agent chooses his client and they have that type of relationship. I, I'm not going to get into that. But obviously, that, that's that's what's taking place right now. It's basically the Rich Paul show, and um, Anthony Davis is is just a player in that show. Um, I wanted to, uh, to talk about the small market team a little bit because because uh, that that's a big development. How many supermax contracts have been accepted since the uh, new CBA was signed? Not very many, right? And if there, are, I think there was uh, a co- a couple. One is the John Wall supermax, right? And which was the bad Supermax. Right. And, uh, the Wizards were not extending that, so, <laughs> like, uh, which, that's which, which looks like a terrible deal right now, but, I mean, we'll get into that later. Players want to win, and players want to be in winning situations, and players want to be in marketable situations, and players feel that the money that they lose in the Supermax can be made up through endorsements, through being in a better environment, through being in a big market, through you know, playing in playoff games, playing for championships, ex- expanding your brand in that way. So really, the Supermax has, has failed to to bring small market teams uh, uh, up to a competitive level. Obviously, in the next CBA, they're going to have to think about something else or ditch, just ditch, ditch this uh, Supermax idea entirely because it's clearly not affecting how the players approach free agency. And obviously, players value free agency more than they value the Supermax. So uh, I think there are a couple important points that we have to note here, right? Uh, The first thing is, like you mentioned, the amount of money that they're losing with the Supermax versus the Max is not life-changing money in the sense of, so there are are situations like Nerlens Noel should have taken an offer. Right now, because of his decisions, he's out a lot of money and he's playing for, what, $3 million this year? So there's an example of where he should have taken the contract. In in contrast to that, these players have already made life-changing money. And so the value of the Supermax contract just isn't that high, especially like you said uh, with the whole, you know, there's there's more money to be made from, uh, from endorsements, being in a bigger market, uh, additionally, the quality of life consideration. So you can see that all as, as being in favor of the player. But that being said, at the end of the day, the NBA is a business. 
and we've seen teams be absolutely ruthless to players. So I'm fully, I'm fully for player autonomy in every way, shape, and form. So if a player wants to go get out of Dodge, more power to them. I think the way that the NBA franchises treat their players at times is absolutely brutal. I think about uh, the Isaiah Thomas situation. I'm not the only person who who necessarily disagrees with or doesn't or who agrees with uh, with Anthony Davis's father. The way they treated Isaiah Thomas was piss poor, terrible. And if they don't get Anthony Davis because of that, I think that's a very suitable consequence for them. So you know, ultimately. Franchises and players have to make the best decisions for them, but like you said, I don't see how this, this the concept of Supermax has really helped any small market teams, so I think some other mechanisms probably need to be taken into account. And the last thing I'll say, which is important, and we really need to note this pretty much every episode, ownership is the biggest competitive advantage in the NBA. When an owner is willing to pay luxury tax over and over and over, that allows your team to be better and have more bites at the apple when it comes to championship runs. Uh, we can look at what's going on in Houston with Tillman Fertitta and say, that's mismanagement of your assets. I think his decision-making on how to spend money may have closed Houston's championship window. And he's actually going to end up paying for it through Chris Paul's contract. So, I mean, that his set of decisions this summer were short-sighted in my opinion. But that's the, the thing. Ownership is the greatest competitive advantage in the NBA. Yeah, and I think, Vikram, I think you hit the nail on the head there. Um, obviously, ownership really, really helps. And uh, we've seen small market teams with uh, great owners uh, bring their teams to winning situations. And uh, obviously, you look at great owners. You, I mean, Joe, Joe Lacob is w- one of those owners that uh, bought a team who obviously was very much struggling at the time and now are, are champions of the NBA. There, There is a way out if you are a small market team and it's really by spending money but i would also add that um um well, okay what was i going to say I, I was i was going to say say that small market teams don't gain much in revenue as opposed to big market teams so that obviously affects how much you spend and ownership uh, owners at the end of the day they are businessmen so i would add that now let's get to the um particulars of the anthony davis trade Obviously, the Lakers are the only team that is uh, that are negotiating with the Pelicans right now. Uh, basically, Rich Paul gave the Lakers a 10-day negotiating period to try and get a deal done. And Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, Kyle Kuzma, and uh, Josh Hart, Ivica Zubox, these are the young players that are being talked about and are being thrown around in trade discussions. So, uh, Vikram, do you think a deal happens before the deadline, I do not. Uh, I would, I would, if I was a gambling man, I would tend towards no. And you are a gambling man. Yeah, I think we both are. <laughs> Two, three here. Uh, I would, I, I would, yes, no. But I do think, especially with the uh, the Kyrie Irving news that we will uh, cover a little bit more later. Uh, I, I think with that news, especially. The Pelicans have to seriously consider an offer if it's good enough. I think the uh, the first lowball offer that uh, that Woj reported, which uh, if you want to give the real the specifics real quick to our listeners, yeah, sure. So the first, uh, okay, it's and we're going to term this offer the lowball offer, and it was basically the Lakers giving up Lonzo Ball, Kyle Kuzma, Rajon Rondo, Michael Beasley, and a first round pick. And that is the sort of deal that obviously is not going to cut it, but it is the first offer, and obviously the Lakers uh, have are giving should be giving room to negotiate. Absolutely, and I think it's going to take uh, it's going to take two of their young talents, and that's going to be Kuzma, Ball, Ingram, two of those three, plus matching salary, plus a couple first round picks. I would say max three, and that's that's where I would probably be looking for if I were the Pelicans. And, the problem and, and is, it also wouldn't hurt for the Lakers to facilitate a third team here. Maybe the Suns come in and they they want Lonzo Ball and are willing to give a first round pick uh, to the um, to, to the Pelicans. So yeah. uh, bringing in a third team would help. But and, uh, let's, uh, let's be honest. Alonzo, Devin Booker front court would be, or backcourt, excuse me, would be pretty freaking fun to watch. So uh, I, I would be in favor of that certainly as well. But I think uh, the other the other comment we have to make is 
there are other teams that can provide and present offers. The problem is at every turn, Rich Paul and Anthony Davis have made it quite clear that any other team would be taking a one-year rental. And I know what we're going to say. I know what you're going to say. Paul George did it. He stayed in OKC. I think he's very much the exception, not the rule. And I, I don't know if I'm another team. I want to give up all of the assets that it costs to get Anthony Davis. And let's let's be clear. Anthony Davis and Paul George are on different stratospheres as far as, far as uh, NBA stars versus superstars. Uh, Anthony Davis is a generational talent. And Paul George is an extraordinary player, but he's not on the same level as, uh, as Anthony Davis. Would you agree with me there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I would definitely agree with you there. I, I just think that I obviously vary, uh, varies from team to team. If you're a team like the Knicks taking a one-year rental on Anthony Davis, that probably does not help you, and you probably should not be giving up uh, significant assets for that. We'll get to the Knicks later. They are in a slightly different situation. But if you are a team like the Raptors and you are one player away from winning a championship and your franchise has never won a championship and you get Kawhi Leonard to stay, that could also, that could be an intriguing option um, option for them. And whether AD decides to stay or not is a different story. I mean, it could be a Deion Sanders situation. For, Deion, for guys who don't know, Deion Sanders joined the 49ers in 94 for their Super Bowl and then joined the Cowboys the year after. So... Uh, it, it could be there could be that situation on the horizon, but uh, again, that would have to wait until the off season. The Lakers are the prime negotiators right now, and they're the only negotiators right now uh, until the trade deadline uh, is over. And that is why I think a, a deal is not going to happen. I think the Pelicans are going to allow multiple teams to come to the table, multiple mystery teams to come to the table, and give so the Lakers some competition. But if the Lakers end up giving up all their young guys and a couple of first round picks. I personally think that is too much to turn down. If you're the Pelicans, that's me. I think, yeah, I think you have to understand that just like an offer can go up, it can go down and you really have to be very, very careful, uh, waiting on this type of offer specifically because the team that can give you the best stuff is the Boston Celtics. With Kyrie's cryptic comments today, and we should probably cover that now because it's very relevant to the uh, to the Anthony Davis situation. Everything is interconnected. Everything. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Today, all of our news is connected one way or another because the Knicks were also in, in were a, a primary destination for Anthony Davis because it was one of the teams that he had expressed interest in. So literally all of our news today is, is all connected. But let's cover the Kyrie comments because those are very relevant in terms of uh, framing the trade discussion for Anthony Davis. So, uh, right, right. So, so you want me to give an intro to that? Yeah, sure. Okay, you can so, absolutely give so an intro Kyrie to that. So, Kyrie Irving, uh, the mercurial weirdo, Kyrie Irving. Um, so, so basically, we all know what he said during the Celtics open practice, uh, that led to Celtics fans believing that he was going to come back. He basically said that, um, if the Celtics will have me, uh, I would like to resign, and that brought uh, a big relief to the Celtics fans, but gave the Celtics fans hope that the future is very bright. And, and if they add another star like an Anthony Davis, it could bring them into championship contenders for years to come. But today, Kyrie Irving dropped the bombshell. After the Knicks made the trade to clear up cap space for two potential max contracts, Kyrie Irving, when asked about his free agency, instead of detracting from the question or uh, avoiding the question or answering the question in a smart manner, he said, ask me July 1st. And he also said, they don't own me. Sh they don't owe me shit. And they meaning uh, the Boston Celtics. So with that quote coming out today and basically putting the entire Celtics organization on watch, um, Bikram. How so does how do, okay? What, 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 let me ask this question in parts. What should the Celtics do now? And number two, how does this affect the Anthony Davis situation? So the first thing, just for our listeners, if the if you guys don't know, uh, Anthony Davis and Kyrie Irving are actually very close, and they're very good friends. And the appeal of Boston was not the location, but being able to play with Kyrie Irving. So if Kyrie Irving is not going to be on the Celtics, there is literally a zero percent chance that Anthony Davis stays with that team. I, I shouldn't say 0%, but it becomes very, very untenable. It becomes infinitesimally low. 
Yeah, it, it becomes and again for for Danny Ainge, it becomes a, a cost benefit calculation. If you're without Kyrie Irving and just Anthony Davis, I highly doubt you're in contention for a uh, uh, for a championship that year. So at that point, it becomes a one year rental where you haven't really accomplished very much. So uh, without Kyrie Irving, I don't think the Celtics make a trade for uh, make a trade for Anthony uh, Davis. The problem here is if the Celtics don't make a trade for him in the summer, the Lakers can lower their trade package if somebody else can't beat it. That's the problem. Like, I don't think anybody else really is going to throw that many assets at the at the Pelicans that are going to be better than what the Lakers are offering now, especially if the Pelicans can, can say, hey, if you want to get this deal done right now, it's going to cost you an extra first-round pick. The Pelicans do have some leverage, but they have to understand they have to wield it effectively. Otherwise, they could very easily see their fortunes turn in the summer and get a worse offer rather than a better offer. So I think that's one thing that the Kyrie Irving comments pretty much put the uh, the Pelicans in a in between a rock and a hard place. So they must be very disappointed with that. Uh, and uh, obviously, uh, I mean, you, you hit it right on the head. And this was Rich Paul's strategy from the start. Take the Celtics out of the conversation. How do you take the Celtics out of the conversation, you ask? Well, first request a trade before the trade deadline because right now Kyrie Irving and Anthony Davis cannot be on the team at the same time. So so, so make sure that the Lakers have a negotiation period. And if the Pelicans are going to wait until the offseason to make a deal, first have Kyrie come out and say these things. I'm not saying that Kyrie is consulting with Rich Paul. He, he, might, he might be doing that. But I'm, I'm not going to say that uh, out loud. But then also have Anthony Davis's father, who you know is talking to Rich Paul, you know is talking to Anthony Davis, and come out, have him come out and say that AD does not want to be in Boston. And the reason why he does not want to be in Boston is Isaiah Thomas. However true or false that uh, sentiment is, it brings up the, the question uh, of the, the Lakers really being the only sole uh, negotiating power in the Anthony Davis sweepstakes, right? They're negotiating against themselves. And this lowball offer is an example of the of the classic phrase, never negotiate against yourself. Uh, so the Lakers are, are trying to exert what leverage they have, right? And I think the Pelicans have to be very, very careful in this situation. Not to, one, get suckered by the Lakers, but also, two, to not let the, the perfect get in, in the way of the good. And so they may have to take a slightly lower offer now, a lower offer now to avoid an extraordinary amount of risk in the future. So that's one thing I would try to keep in mind for them. So we'll we'll see what they decide to do. I do agree with you. I think it is more likely that they do not make a trade than they do make a trade. But that being said, I think that they should probably make the trade. Uh, and so I, I, that's what I would highly advise. And uh, to to add to this, you are a Laker fan, so we we have we have to make that clear. <laughs> and, yeah, I mean, I, I would prefer the I would prefer Anthony Davis go to the Lakers. That's that's totally true. And uh, I would also prefer that Anthony Davis goes to the Lakers. Why? Because Anthony Davis is on my fantasy team, and I want a resolution to this um, uh, conflict as soon as possible, so that Anthony Davis can get on the court. Because if Anthony Davis does not get traded, there's a big there's a big chance that. They could call, the Pelicans call it sit him for the season. Excuse me. They're going to sit him for the rest of the season. It it literally benefits nobody to have him play. And this is another thing: the NBA has to do something about that. That's nonsense. If a guy is healthy, he should be. He has to be able to play. Like I understand the idea of of rest games and stuff like that, but this is on a whole nother level. Like this is an organizational huge problem because why the heck are fans paying for games for the Pelicans? If their star player is not going to play. Uh, and furthermore, it's going to affect things like betting lines. Like there are all sorts of downstream issues to this type of uh, to this type of just sitting players because you don't want them to get hurt. So you can trade them later, uh, uh, I think. And, and look, I, I obviously get that. And obviously what the Pelicans are going to say is that that finger is still bothering him or that leg that he fell on the other day. You know that's like um, that. That's not that's not feeling very good right now. Uh, they're gonna make up some some type of injury one way or the other. The the teams that tank do it all the time, and I have and I've never seen uh, them get punished for it. So the Pelicans would be the first team to get ever get punished for that if if that ever happened. And if you think about it from their perspective, it makes sense. 
Oh, no, absolutely. Again, I'm with you. 100% makes sense for them to do that. Like, it's his, it, he is a huge asset. If he gets hurt, it's all over. Look at what happened to DeMarcus Cousins, right? So I'm, I'm totally with it in terms of from the, from the Pelicans' perspective, this is exactly what they should be doing. The NBA as an organization has to do more to prevent this type of behavior. Absolutely. Because it's, it's terrible for the league. But and I and I guess what I would uh, say as a retort to that is obviously you want that to happen, but there I mean there's no clear cut solution to uh, enforce that. I guess. No, absolutely. Yeah, you're you're totally right. I don't think I think I'm just kind of preaching and saying you know this should happen, but I I'm very much aware that it likely is not going to. So, you know, sucks, but th- that's the reality of the situation. And you're you're absolutely correct about that. But I think the Anthony Davis situation is is a fascinating one for the shift in power uh, in the NBA. When was the what was the last trade that that had this type of ramification for the league? You think yeah, the Shaq trade maybe? Yeah, it's a good example. Shaq, I mean, first of all, Shaq moving, but okay, first when Shaq moved from Orlando to the Lakers, he was a free agent. But when the Lakers traded Shaq from. Uh, the Lakers to the Heat. Obviously, Shaq was on like the lower, the end of his prime when when that trade made was made, and it was really Dwayne Wade who carried the Heat to that championship. I I should add that, but but really that's the name that I think of. Hmm, that's interesting. Yeah, I'd say that's that's uh, probably accurate. But another, uh, but, uh, but another one is Kareem. Kareem yeah, well, Kareem is yeah, Kareem is a wonderful. Kareem is the obvious parallel that people have brought up because. That 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 was a trade that happened when Kareem wasn't was in his prime, quite frankly, and he played out the the Laker with the Lakers in his prime, and they won a lot of championships. So that's uh, I mean that's the sort of conversation that Anthony Davis is in. We will see if uh, he ends up teaming up with LeBron and lives up to it eventually. So Vikram, uh, there is another trade that happened. I mean, God. So this one is is significant, and we should we should highlight why real quick. And, uh, yes, uh, and, and I mean it's amazing how many things have happened in the over the course of one week. I cannot wait until next week. I mean, oh my god, I can't wait till the weekend, man. Forget that. Like tomorrow, I'm sure some we're gonna break some more news. The, the names are that are being tossed around, and we, I'm, we forgot to mention that Nikola Mirotic and Julius Randle are also on the trade block for the Pelicans. So. I mean, uh, names that w- would have been big in previous years are relatively small this year because of the superstar names that are in the conversation right now. So that's just one thing to to watch out for. We, we should have a lot to discuss next week. I hope so. Oh, yeah. And uh, we are going to be on tomorrow, so we may have to break a little bit of news before we do our, our, our all-star. Our all-star draft. I mean, we, we would like to have... Uh, yeah, obviously, we would like to break news tomorrow and, and talk about it. But uh, again, reminder to you, our listeners, tomorrow is our all-star draft, and uh, Vikram's team Giannis. Sorry, Vikram's team LeBron. I'm I'll be team Giannis, and uh, uh, team LeBron. You will be picking first tomorrow. You will be going through the starters first, and then the reserves. So be sure to uh, listen to that. Um, that should be fun. Anyways, going to our third topic of uh, of the day. So Kristaps Porzingis, the uh, other uh, Ford Center. Uh, that uh, has been talked about in trade, to- trade talks recently got dealt to the Dallas Mavericks. So this is a pretty big trade, so hang with me here. So the Dallas Mavericks ended up getting Christoph Porzingis, Tim Hardaway Jr., Courtney Lee, and Trey Burke. So Dallas ends up taking on some salary and end up ends up with a trade exception because of that. So that's what Dallas gets. And the New York Knicks end up with Dennis Smith Jr., DeAndre Jordan, Wes Matthews, and two first-round picks. And those two first-round picks are the 2021 unprotected pick and the 2023 uh, first-round pick. Both are first-round picks, but 2021 is unprotected, and 2023 is protected 1 through 10. So, obviously, Dallas is taking on money, and New York is taking on expiring money so that they can clear up cap space and have two max slots available to them for this upcoming free agency. So, uh Vikram, like, okay, let's talk about Dallas first because uh, the obvious thing is to talk about the Knicks. So uh, we'll we'll put the Knicks off to the side a little bit. What does this trade mean for Dallas? What kind of partnership could Kristaps Porz- Porzingis have with Luka Doncic? I think the fit is is quite frankly pretty amazing. 
when we look at uh, when we look at Christoph Porzingis and the point guards or primary ball handlers he's played with, it's a pretty it's a pretty depressing list. I think Jose Calderon might be the best point guard he, he's played with while he's been in the NBA. I mean, as far as playmaking and, and setting him up, maybe Jarrett Jack. I mean, you're really looking at at names, not that are necessarily bad, but just frankly aren't, aren't that good. I think Luka Doncic is going to be the single best playmaker he has ever played with in the NBA. And so from a fit perspective, he is going to be the beneficiary of so many good passes, putting in positions to score. He's a both a pick and pop and a pick and roll threat. His skill set complements Luka Doncic just quite well. And I think, I don't know, like, what's the coverage that you have on a, a Luka Doncic, Kristaps uh, Porzingis pick and roll or pick and pop? I think that's going to be really difficult for teams to defend against. So I'm pretty excited to see that happen. Uh, so obviously, but Dennis Smith, Dennis Smith Jr. moving on to the Knicks, Luka Doncic takes pretty much takes that permanent point guard, guard role. So he's going to be the point guard, and he's going to be running the pick and roll with Kristaps. And as you stated, I cannot wait to see that uh, when, obviously, when Kristaps Porzingis is fully healthy. Uh, so another very interesting thing about this, uh, Kristaps Porzingis has informed the Dallas Mavericks that he's only going to sign the qualifying offer this year so that he can reach unrestricted free agency earlier than other players reach it. Obviously, uh, we have not seen this before. Uh uh, teams, I mean, players who play out their first contract usually get that big second contract. Want to get that big second contract and uh, become unrestricted free agents after that con after that second big contract is uh, completed. But what uh, Christos Porzingis is tra- saying is that I'm going to sign the qualifying offer for 4.5 million, play out the year, and weigh my options. Obviously, there's a pretty decent chance he stays in Dallas, uh, especially given his friendship with Luka Doncic and uh, Dirk Nowitzki. Are we uh, 100% sure that he has said that he will for sure sign only sign the qualifying offer? Yeah, he he has uh, he has stated that. Uh, obviously, it's been through sources, so he has the chance to you know change his mind in, in the in the off season. But um, the sources are saying that Christos Porzingis is going to only sign the qualifying offer. I think this would be a remarkably short sighted move on his part. Completely and totally, he's made what like sixteen million over his career so far in salary. He has, and uh, it's it's again comparing it to the New Orleans Noel situation where. Um, oh, if he gets hurt again. Yeah, Chris Porzingis is basically saying you're not going to be lowballing me because of my knee injury. I'm going to take the four point five million. I'm going to prove it's it's a prove it contract basically, and he's, and I'm going to prove that I, I'm back. Which I mean, it's gutsy. I, that's all. I that's all I will say. Is, he, there is a model for the contract that he he would be getting, and that's what Joel Embiid got, right? With all of the injury protections and those types of things, I, I think he's got to take that deal and move because it's much too high of a risk for him if he says, "Hey, I'm just going to play on this qualifying offer, play for 4.5 million. I have another really bad injury, and now I'm out of the league." Like, that's not beyond the pale. He's a 7'3", frail, frail guy in terms of build. I mean, that's not a risk I would want to take at all. And I, I guess it varies from person to person. Um, it, you, you bring up a good point. Uh, I think Christoph Sporzingis should take the Joel Embiid deal. But the question is, is Dallas even offering the Joel Embiid deal. And uh, if, I mean, uh, obviously Dallas gave up a bunch of assets. They gave up, they gave up a couple of first round picks. So they're obviously serious about Christos Porzingis being a part of their future. And I'm sure if uh, they offer a contract that uh, shows that willingness, then uh, Christos Porzingis would consider signing that contract. I don't think it's a done deal. I think the negotiations are, are ongoing, but uh, obviously we talked about the fit for Christos Porzingis. Uh, they also added and uh, the, uh, the Mavericks, I mean, they also added Tim Hardaway Jr. Um, and Courtney Lee and Trey Burke. So obviously the big piece here is Tim Hardaway Jr. I think he slots into the starting lineup right away and is a sort of that uh, go-to score for them. Not not go-to, but, you know, catch-and-shoot guy. He's going to be fantastic for them. Being able to get him on a lower usage than what he was being asked to do in New York where he was averaging 19 on about 16 shots. Optimally, he should be taking, like, 
10 to 13 shots. And, and, and they should be open shots for which that he doesn't have to really work for. And yeah, he's not going to have to create on this team because Luka Doncic is going to do it for him. But it's nice to have somebody else who has an ability to create their own shot. So that's that's really, really important for them. I think another important thing is I think if Courtney Lee is healthy, which uh, we're not 100% sure if he's healthy or not because not. of how uh, – I'm not sure because they're just kind of sitting Ennis Cantor right now because they're in full tank mode. But if, if Courtney Lee is healthy, he's going to give them another defense plus 3 and D type player, and I think that's going to be really valuable for them. The other thing I'd say is – like you think about that lineup when healthy, if you even if you you know we figure out something else to do with Courtney Lee, but you're talking about Luka Doncic at six seven six eight. You're talking about Harrison Barnes at six eight. You're talking about Chris Tapps at seven three. You you have a really really big lineup, and that's going to be hard to guard from a uh, from just from a size perspective as well. So I think this is going to be mismatch central for the Mavs. But again. This all presupposes the health of Kristaps Porzingis. And so if he's unable to return to form, then this might be a losing trade for the Mavericks. But if all goes well, it's going to be phenomenal for years to come. So this is one of those high-risk, high-reward options. It's kind of what I would expect from Mark Cuban, to be honest. Yeah, and uh, I, I agree with you 100%. Uh, Kristaps Porzingis is the headliner of this trade. If he doesn't work out, Dallas pretty much has to start over rebuilding around Luka Doncic, and I don't think they want to do that. They want to maximize Luka Doncic's potential as much as possible, and I think, yeah. I think and acquiring they... KP does that. So, I mean, so let's now get to the New York Knicks. So the New York Knicks, they get Dennis Smith Jr., who they could have drafted. They could have drafted him last year, uh, but obviously they went with Frank Nilekina, who's still on the team. And uh, Dennis Smith should be getting the starting nod with the Knicks and should be a high usage player uh, until the rest of the year. I mean, until, until the end of the year, at least. And then we'll see after that. And then they have DeAndre Jordan and Wes Matthews, who are considered to be buyout candidates by the media. But Scott Perry came out and said that he envisions DeAndre Jordan and Wes Matthews playing out the season and um, teaching the younger Knicks, men mentoring the younger Knicks, really. And... Um, Looking forward to what they do with them. They could be big names on the buyout market uh, soon if that does not materialize. And they also get two first-round picks, uh, the 2021 pick and the 2023 pick, which is really, uh, I think it's they're really good trade pieces for the future for them, and especially uh, if their cap space materializes and they get good players with that cap space. So overall, what do you think about this trade for the Knicks? And uh, do they know something we don't? Do uh, Are they... Uh, primed to get a couple of these free agents i don't think so because this reminds me very much of uh of when do you remember when lebron james was seen at a new york yankees game wearing a new york yankees hat everybody well, remembers that yeah i mean and then everybody was so convinced and positive that he was going to be going to uh he was he was he had to be going to the new york knicks and uh, who did they end up with? They ended up with 55 games of Amari Stoudemire. So, yeah, I'm not quite sure that the Knicks have any idea what they're doing. Uh, I think that they made the best type of trade that they could, given the lack of leverage that they had. So from that perspective, I'm not going to blame them too much. I just want to add something. So you either clear up cap space or you don't. And they at least gave themselves the opportunity to compete. Sure, they, they definitely did that. I would say they are very similar to me in, in what I said about Anthony Davis. You can't have a dysfunctional franchise for a really long time and expect people to want to stay, even if you're New York. So again, I'm totally with. Uh, I'm totally all for what Anthony or what uh, Christoph Porzingis did in terms of saying I'm not interested in playing with your organization because you're dysfunctional, and I, I just don't want to want to have anything to do with it. So. From that perspective, I completely understand where he was coming from, and I don't blame him one bit, given where the Knicks are right now. So I, I think that's the first thing. I think the Knicks have a really interesting path to being relevant and successful, depending on what happens in free agency this year. But it's quite possible, and I think most likely, that they strike out on all of their free agents or end up with uh, Chris Middleton and Nikola Vucevic. Uh, or even, or even somebody like uh, like Jimmy Butler and Demarcus Cousins, for example. That could be, you know, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think that's that's going to be some, like the problem for them. I think the the problem is they're going to end up with a mid tier team that isn't really going to go. They're going to be paying big money for a middle of the road team. That's that's basically what you're what you're Pretty saying. Much. It may, if they make the playoffs, then that's that's the achievement, and I think that's not where New York wants to be. Uh, these trade assets could be fantastic if the you know if Kristaps is hurt and is unable to really play and leaves and Dallas ends up being really bad having an unprotected pick and then a top 10 protected pick that's pretty damn juicy so it's not like the Knicks didn't get something out of the deal and i i think the other thing that we're not talking about is like that cap space it's hard to move off of bad money and Tim Hardaway Jr and Courtney Lee were definitely bad money from a from a value contract perspective so i mean for the Knicks to be able to get off about thirty million, and also pick up two draft picks, you know they did a good job. Like I, I don't want to take anything away from the moxie they had to make the trade in in the first place as well. But that being said, I, I just don't see the path looking very good for the Knicks overall. I don't think that they're going to manage their cap well. I don't think they're going to manage the situation well, and I think it's going to blow up in their face. So uh, hopefully, I'm wrong. And hopefully they're able to get some some free agents in the summer, but I wouldn't bet on it. Obviously, people have discussed this at length, and a lot uh, some general managers are coming out and saying that Kevin Durant is coming to New York, and even one uh, executive came out and said that uh, Kevin Durant has already informed the Knicks that he is on his way. So take well, that for where? what you will. I don't know similar where people... things have happened with LeBron, and obviously, if Kevin Durant and, and uh, player Y come to the Knicks, this will be worth it. But I just want to uh, ask: I just want to ask prospective free agents who are considering the Knicks, why? I don't. That's I don't a quite understand. I, I don't quite understand because hear me out here. I get that New York is this big market, and if you make it in New York, you can make it anywhere. And Madison Square Garden is this big, huge stage, basketball stage, where you get to play in 41 games a year. I get that allure. But what has Jim Dolan proven to you that he can build a team and that he will be able to uh, uh, basically build a championship team around a couple of free agents? Because if you commit all your money to free agents... You better be able to build a team around them, around them, and obviously the Warriors have been able to do that. the The Cavs were able to do that in the past. They Miami Heat did that the best, right? And uh, obviously at that point you're you're competing for minimum free agents, mid level exception, that sort of thing, and and draft picks. Draft picks are going to be very very important for the Knicks to hit on, and the last player to sign a second contract after being drafted by the Knicks was Charlie Ward. And he was drafted in 1994. Just, just uh, put that through your head for a second. The last time the Knicks signed their free, signed their draft pick to a second contract is 1994. That's insane. And that, and, and, and that just shows that, the Knicks really don't know what they're doing from a, a player personnel standpoint. But I so okay. I I hope that I'm wrong, and I hope that Scott Perry represents a, the kind of change that the Knicks organization needs. But their ownership has been a mess. Yeah, their ownership has been a mess. Their front office has been a mess. Uh, basically, everything's been pretty shitty for them. I'm not gonna lie. And so the idea that they're somehow gonna turn it all around this summer seems to me to be unlikely. So we'll see. And look, I, if they if they get a top three pick, or I guess like people are saying the number one pick, uh, maybe, and they and they get Zion, let's just say, then that's a safe assumption. Excuse me. I said that's a pretty safe assumption that they take Zion. Well, yeah, and and they get two max free agents. That's a pretty good base to start off with, but I don't sure. think it would be enough to compete for a championship. I don't think so. And and, and, and that is where ownership has to come in. And that is, that is where your front office has to come in and build out the rest of the team. The Knicks have shown sort of an inability to do that. Who's going to come off the bench for uh, for Kevin Durant? Damian Dotson? Really? Alonzo Trier? <laughs> yeah. And 
Right. This is basically what we're talking about for the Knicks. So we'll see. We'll see. It should definitely be a very, very interesting offseason. And uh, obviously Kyrie's comments while sitting in Madison Square Garden really uh, sent shockwaves throughout the NBA today. That's the, I mean, that's, uh, that's all uh, I can really say about it. Uh, Vikram, you have any final thoughts on what has transpired this week? Well, ultimately, <laughs> players have a lot of power in this league, and we in the in the NBA media definitely feed into that. And so that's that's probably my biggest takeaway: is <laughs> players are able to exert their leverage in very very interesting ways, and that's one thing that uh, that's one thing that that's what I, I think the biggest takeaway for me is is that players have an incredible amount of leverage and it's important for us to realize that and ensure that we understand the state of play in the NBA. So I'm pretty excited to see what's going to continue to happen, but the Cole Kyrie situation is off is off the hook. He creates so much drama. It's it's fascinating how much drama he creates. It is uh, it's amazing and uh, one thing I want to say about the Celtics, this is what they traded for. This is sort of what they signed up for. I, 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 I get what how the Celtics fans are feeling right now, and it's a warranted feeling. But this is exactly who you traded for. This is a guy in Kyrie Irving who overreacted to uh, a trade that the Cavs were trying to make, right? When the Cavs tried to, uh, I uh, reportedly tried to trade him. And um, uh, Kyrie said, I, I, now I definitely want out. This is the kind of mercurial, topsy-turvy personality that you have on your team. And it should be no surprise to you that when free agency is coming around and he has options, that he is not seriously weighing them. I just want to... Uh, he, he needs to, too. I think any and every player has to take, has to at least explore free agency. Unless you are extremely happy with where you are, you should absolutely explore the opportunity. That's not to say that you have to be disloyal or anything like that. Just in general, you should at least explore the options. So I don't disagree with him doing that. I do think some of the comments that he's made in Boston, like this can't endear him to any other players on that roster. Oh, no, he was no, no, already, no, 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 not at all. Yeah, you know what I mean? He was already not on the greatest of footing with them, especially uh, considering the whole uh, – Y'all don't know what it takes to uh, win a championship rant. So I I can't imagine this is a really positive development for the Boston Celtics. In fact, I think this might end up derailing their season more than it already is because they certainly haven't met expectations. Jalen Brown is watching. Jason Tatum is watching. Everybody's watching. And they're young guys. And they're the guys who want to trade for Anthony Davis. Like, that's the other big thing. Like, these these guys aren't immune to trade rumors. And if your idea is, I'm, I'm just going to treat these guys like commodities and trade them back and forth for star players, and that, gonna, that kind of behavior and that kind of public display of disloyalty to players is going to catch up to you eventually. As you can tell, I really wasn't very happy with the Isaiah Thomas thing, even though, again, it wasn't, it wasn't like a bad decision by the... Uh, by the Celtics, but I, I just, I hate it when somebody like gives his heart and soul for a franchise when you treat him poorly, and other people see that. Other and people, so, defi- other people definitely see it. I, if if Anthony Davis truly feels that way, I, I, he has absolutely every right to feel that way. Uh, it just seems more like a negotiating ploy right now than it seems like a true sentiment. I'll, I'll just. Oh, yeah. absolutely. I, I would, I would just say it, it could be part truth, right? Like. He's overstating it, but I certainly wouldn't necessarily want to play for a franchise that didn't value me and was willing to throw me under the bus as soon as I got hurt. I, I, I will, and uh, my retort to that would probably be that Magic Johnson's probably on NBA trade machine uh, 24-7 trying to work out a trade that would uh, that involves all of the Lakers' young young guys, and I wonder how they feel uh, being uh, in, the, in these conversations. We, we talked about... Um, Brandon Ingram, right? He came out and said that um, being in trade talks is, is sort of part of the part of being in the NBA, and he's he's sort of dealing with it very professionally. I I, I was very impressed with how I think what the Lakers said. in general, outside of Lonzo Ball's camp, are are behaving pretty professionally with it. Ha, Lonzo Ball's camp. 
Yeah. I wonder, I wonder how Lavar Lavar's sort of been in the. I mean, he's 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 not coming out of the media very much. And yeah, uh, they told to shut up, and it's LeBron's team. So yeah, pretty much. I, 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 think, I think that is what happened. I think LeBron's team pretty much told Lavar Ball to stay in your lane. That to use a, a term that was coined by Lavar Ball, really. And uh, as soon as Lonzo gets traded, I think I think he will come back. Yeah, I, I think that was part of the please don't send Lonzo to a team that does that has an established point guard because we want him to be a star. Remember, his uh, his brand is uh, – I think he's going to regret not signing with some of the other shoe brands as a rookie. I don't think the big baller brand is going to do quite so well. Might be wrong. I mean, I mean, based on how they price their shoes, um, they, they should work, first work out their basic economics. Then we can come back to uh, whether um, Lonzo Ball can be – uh, the head of his own brand, but with that, oh, uh, heat! Yes, and and with that, we will close out this episode for today. And uh, obviously, some big news. And uh, tomorrow, we again we we're having our our, our all star draft, so be sure to listen to that. And uh, hopefully, next week we will be back on the Ballistic Podcast talking about some juicy trades. And uh, ho- hopefully, I mean, uh, I, maybe we're not talking about Anthony Davis. But there are definitely some other notable names on the trade market, and we will definitely be talking about them uh, as the trade deadline winds down. So for Vikram, I'm Guru. Uh, Have a great weekend. We'll see you soon. Yep. Have a good night, everyone.